Do you want to know what my breakfast was? You're going to laugh so hard. So Arbidellos. Do you know that Subway has foot-long cookies now? Foot-long cookies, churros, and one other thing. I can't remember the Well, I discovered this yesterday. Oh. Do you know what I had for breakfast? A foot-long cookie. Part of foot-long cookie. The, the remaining part of whatever we didn't eat last night. That's Sorry. what I ate for breakfast this morning. So I'm going to be a wild ride. You're welcome. Dude, I'm eating popcorn and drinking coffee. This is the I peak. I ate chocolate for breakfast. We are the peak adult. There's no going up from here. We're dead. This is it. We've hit. We're not middle-aged yet, but like, yeah. this is it. This is peak performance. Me wrapped Re- in a blanket, eating reading. popcorn. I got my blanket. We're reading smut in our blankets, talking about smut on a podcast, eating shitty junk food. <laughs> this is peak. This is what peak performance looks like, guys. <laughs> we'll be dead by noon. At least we went out in a blaze of glory. But not really, because I still always, I never believe that anyone still listens. Strangers. Strangers on the internet. Dude, we humble ourselves on a daily basis. If um, not, our kids will do it for us. Could you rate our bummy, chocolate, popcorn-loving blanket asses, please? Thank you. Okay, thanks. Bye. Okay, thanks. moving on. <laughs> moving on. Today, we are going to dive into part two of the Second Sons duet. There's multiple books in the Second Sons series, but the first two are a duet. And last week, we read Beautiful Things, the first book in the duet and it left us off on a cliffhanger wow so this week we are picking it back up with his grace the duke and we're going to continue but i wanted to read this part of the author's note because i felt like it brought us in a good spot so it says if you've read beautiful things then you know where we are if you've listened to our episode covering beautiful things then you also know where we are <laughs> the duke is engaged to Petey nash Burke is reluctantly, sort of, engaged to Olivia. Renly has some major explaining to do. And Rosalie and James are currently on a midnight carriage ride to London. That's what you need to know. Previously. Previously on the Smutty Book Club. This is what you missed. And now welcome (laughs) to the days of our lives. Your content warning is you should know what you're walking into with us by now. Okay, thanks. Bye. Last time. On the Smutty Book Club, we left off on a harrowing cliffhanger where James and Rosalie absconded into the night to London. Oh my, what's going to happen? Scandal alert. Oh my gosh. So James and Rosalie are in a carriage on their way to London. It is a long carriage ride. It's kind of cute. She falls asleep and he ends up like holding her through the night. He doesn't have feelings for her. This man no, no, no. is always in a state of denial. I love James. I love He's him. not my favorite, but I love him. Yeah. You would love have... the emotionally unavailable man. I have loved That's usually him my shtick. From the start. I love the Corbin men. I love one of the Corbin men, that's for damn sure. I love the Corbin men. So they head to Corbin House in London and they get there and they have to come up with a reason why they randomly left in the middle of the night because hello scandal so they have agreed to come up with the plan that james had business in london quickly and the duke wants an engagement party and it needs to be fast and so he obviously needs miss harrow's help so they quickly left which not gonna lie 
is really on brand for the Duke. So it makes sense to me. Yeah. That he'd be that's like, the no, only reason place. that they could get away with this. Because <laughs> the Duke is very. Take Cabbage Rose with you. That's the only way that they could get away with this. Oh, Cabbage. <laughs> oh, Cabbage. So they get there and the house manager is basically like, oh my, like, <laughs> what is going on? Because they had no notice and everything. And so she's panicking and trying to get everything ready. And James is like, put Miss Harrow in the burgundy room. And she's like, what? Yeah, they're scandalized. And Rosalie doesn't understand what's actually happening. Right. The ladies are going to do it anyways, because men. Right. And James is like, we have an engagement party to plan. And then she's like, more panicked about that. So bigger fish to fry. Though, when she gets up to the room, even the maid is like, why is she in here? And Rosalie has no idea, like, why this is a weird thing. We don't even, at first. We don't know yet. But we'll get there. We do now. We do now that the book is done, but as we're telling the story, no one knows. Mystery. James moves in the shadows. He does. That's why I like James. They took off in the middle of the night. No clothes, no nothing. Clearly, this is James's house, so James has clothes there, but Rosalie just has the clothes on her back. So James, right away, has the modiste there. The modiste is very exuberant. I love this person. She so is much. fantastic. Oh my god, um, she's very French, and she is so fucking fantastic, and I love her. She's pretty fantastic. She's fitting Rosalie with a full wardrobe, much to Rosalie's, Rosalie's hesitation. Yeah. Because Rosalie doesn't like people to buy things for her. And she's like, I just need something to wear to be able to get to my aunt's house to be able to get my own clothes. Like, I just can't wear this ball gown kind of thing. In case Um, you forgot how Rosalie is, she's a very independent lady and wants nothing from nobody. And James is like, psych, bitch, here you go. I'll take care of you. To be fair, I don't hate James. He's just not my favorite. But he does a lot of really great things. I love James. I know. I may have mentioned that seven I, times already. It's fine. I, I don't know. Keep going. I don't know It'll be I like it's fifty okay. by the end of this episode. We can oh, we can make it a drinking game. If you want to listen to our episode in the evening hours, we can make that a, a drinking game. So every time or I say the I day love on the weekend, I don't judge. Every time I say I love James, you can take a drink. Probably don't do that because you'll die. I'll try to curb it. Maybe drink at your discretion. The modiste is having a grand old time dressing her. And she is basically loving that James is dressing her. And then she is extra happy when Burke busts through the doors and must see her, much to the housekeeper's dismay, because she's with the modiste. You must not go in. Then the, I don't remember the Modi's name, but she's basically like, intrigue. I know, the Modi, she's so great. (laughs) What is her name? I want to say Paulette, but that doesn't sound right. I think you're right. Am I right? Yep, Paulette. Nice. I pulled that shit out my ass. Paulette is loving this basically soap opera that's unfolding before her eyes. Man, if she had popcorn, she would be eating it in the corner. She Very elegantly, corner, too. She would be in the middle of the room eating it. And she'd be like, do go on. Continue. Continue with all this. And how do you feel about that? 
So Burke is upset because Burke is all like, I searched for you the moment the dance ended. And what did I find? You and James missing, gone like a puff of smoke. No word, no note. You left me on my knees aching for you. (laughs) He's so dramatic. And then I had to come here and find you being measured for your fucking trousseau. He is the most dramatic out of everybody, but he also has the most feelings out of everybody. He thinks that in the wake of her hearing about all of the betrothals, that her and James went into the night to get married together. It was so wild. His little pea brain is working overtime. It really is. So Rosalie quickly resets him. He's got a lot of emotions though, man. He is an ocean of emotions. So she's just telling him like, I would never do that. I'm not half so spiteful. I would consider trapping myself in a marriage as a suitable punishment because he's, you know, betrothed to Olivia against his will. Like he's not really happy about this part. Of course, Burke's like, well, that's never going to happen. Like I'm not, he doesn't want to marry Olivia. He's like, it's not going to happen. And she goes, you might not have a choice. You would marry her to protect James. And he goes, no, I won't. And they're just going on about it. And he just goes, I care about you, about us. I make you this vow. I will marry you or no one. And I was like, oh, I don't even know your name. That is true. (laughs) Because in case you're wondering, his first name is definitely not Burke. That's his last name. She's like, I don't even know your name. And he's like, well, if I tell you, will you marry me? This man. He had to try. I mean, it was a good attempt. He had to try. It didn't work. He is infatuated with her, so he does end up giving her his name. So she does learn that he is Horatio Burke. And my Horatio. Honestly, I would have had my first name too if that was it. True facts. So we learn through Burke that he traveled all this way with Marianne and Tom that Marianne lent her carriage to Tom and Burke to chase after them. I faced an involuntary movement. <laughs> Rosalie drops the news bomb on Burke that Tom and Marianne are engaged. And he's like, what? So then we get Tom's point of view and we learn what Marianne did. Marianne is a piece of fucking shit. End of story. I'm just kidding. She gets more and more unhinged. Tom keeps trying to leave and go check on, you know, everybody else. And she finally admits to Tom that she lied to Rosalie and told her that they were engaged. Tom's not happy. And so he rushes out to go see Rosalie and try to fix the damage. He doesn't find her, though, because she is out with Burke going to her aunt's house to go get some clothes and stuff. And he ends up having a conversation with james explaining his intentions and explaining the whole situation of what happened and james kind of is like well i thought the whole point is like you needed to find a specific type of wife so that you could move up in your career and tom is like no i've learned that i am not the type of person who can have a marriage without love it's just not for me i am a tree and i need roots And I need people who are roots for me. So that Rosalie can climb him like a tree. They're having this conversation and Burke and Rosalie return. And Burke is very angry. 
still at James and he goes to go after James. But Rosalie inserts herself in the middle and basically is like, no, punish me if you have to punish someone. And he's like, okay. He's like, deal. Like, what? Okay, sure. Where are we going to go with this? But okay. And things are kind of tense. But to break up the tension of like Burke wanting to fight James and Rosalie offering herself up and them making a deal for punishment later, to break up all that tension, Tom just randomly shouts out in the middle of the room, I'm not engaged. Dude, it's so funny. I highlighted that. And he goes... (laughs) I'm sorry. I know this wasn't about me yet, but I was dying holding it in. And well, it's not true. And James was like, oh, what? And Burke's like, oh, thank Christ. And (laughs) it just, this whole section was just so funny. This half of the duet was definitely funnier than the first half. Definitely a lot of laugh out loud moments for me than the first one. Oh, for sure. And I enjoyed that they're eating and they make everybody leave the room all the butlers and everything leave all the food even though they present everything usually nicely and he goes no just leave and leave all the wine and then tom is confused and he goes what the fuck happened and (laughs) james just goes well for starters burke and rosalie fucked on the piano and then it just like dissolves from that i thought it was funny yeah so everyone fills everyone else in about all the different things that have been going on, you know, with Lady Olivia and Marianne and James and Rosalie and their plans to host this engagement party to kind of dispel the gossip mill that's already taking place because the boys kind of give them context of what happened once they left and they're filling everyone in and what's going on and then they all discuss the plans on how to dissolve the relationship between olivia and burke um so they hatch a plan they can't just have burke refuse because even though they're all prepared to do that and walk away from and take the consequences that the dowager has put into place. But Rosalie doesn't want them to do that to Olivia. She's explained Olivia's situation and they don't want to do that. So now they feel compelled to make it so that Olivia is the one to jilt Burke. So they are going to try to find her a better suitor than Burke to upgrade to. That is their plan. They all retire for the evening and... Rosalie quickly finds out why everyone was a little scandalized for her to be in that room. There's an adjoining door. She's in the men's wing. Like the men's bachelor wing. And the room next to her that there's an adjoining door, knock, knock, it's Burke. Yeah. And it's so funny because like he comes in and she's like, Burke, why are you here? And he's like, why are you here? She's like, well, I'm not shoeing horses, am I? <laughs> she's still sassy. And he goes, who who put you in here? And she's like, what's wrong with the room? Oh, my God. I <laughs> knew there was something. Is it haunted? <laughs> I'm just like fucking laughing. It's not haunted. And so James had put them in there. And James is a little kind of mastermony. Mind, mastermony? Master, mindy. He's he purposely... Yeah, he's yeah. he's purposely well, put them next to each other. He's trying to make Burke happy 
And I think in his mind, he thinks that if he keeps pushing Rosalie towards Burke, it will make it so that it's harder for him to think about her if he can think about her as Burke's. Yeah, James, how's that work for you? I love James. Take a drink. So then she goes down on him. That escalates real quick. But that's okay because all of a sudden someone else shows up. It's not James. Surprise. I know. I was so bummed. James is a party pooper for a lot of this book. Surprise. It's Tom. He's like, you need to remember to lock the door and to keep it down because my room's across the hall and I heard all of that. So he joins them in bed to cuddle. Oh my God. It's so cute. It's super cute. He cuddles her naked though because he's just like stripping all his shit off. And I'm like, okay. And then she wakes up alone and she's sad because she realizes the reality of moving in the shadows with these boys, that it will never be in the public eye and that it's always going to be kind of in that kind of situation. And she makes her sad. She's big, fat, sad. Big, fat, sad. (laughs) They make a list of bachelors available that might be a good matches for Olivia. They start planning the party. Things are moving along at the Corbin house. But then there's an accident on the stairs. Well, because everyone's trying to rush around getting this party going. And one of the servants like falls down the stairs and it's a whole thing. So Rosalie ends up having to take the servant's stairs to get me able to get upstairs. But uh, weird. What's with her and James and stairwells? Suddenly James she asks finds the same herself. questions. He goes, what is with you in stairwells? <laughs> and she's mad because, you know, he helped aid her out of that situation, dumped her at this place, basically dumped her in Burke's lap and has been like avoiding her and being kind of rude to her since. And now they find themselves alone in the stairwell. And she she's kind of frustrated with him. So she's basically kind of like, excuse me, my Lord. And he's like, so fucking stop funny. calling me that. And she's basically like, what am I supposed to call you? Are you not a Viscount? It, yes, but it was not you, my Lord, who demanded just yesterday that I forget any notion of a growing acquaintance between us. That's, that's not what I meant. And she's like, she's like. James Corbin, Viscount Finchley, a lord who demands every piece on his chessboard, play according to his rigid rules. You are the one who wants me relegated to my proper square. Only now I gather, you don't actually know which square that ought to be. So let me enlighten you. I am neither your wife nor your intended. You have made it clear that I am not a suitable social acquaintance. That leaves but two options. Either I'm a business associate or I'm a servant. To my knowledge, we have no pending business. Thus, I am resolved to assume you mean to treat me like I am a member of staff. That is my square, sir. I, in turn, shall treat you like my employer. Now, if you'll excuse me, my lord, I've taken up enough of your time. I will be on my way. And then he grabs her. And honestly, this part coming up, I had to giggle at and I highlighted one word, which was swan. He's like, you can't walk away from me. I have not dismissed you. And she's like, 
you're being a brute and he tells her she's being difficult and she goes i'm i'm being difficult he goes you are one of the most difficult obstinate infuriating women i've ever met you swan through life with all the grace of a hurricane leaving devastation in your wake and she just goes comparing me to a swan Honestly, that is quite the denouncement coming from you. If you can't remember, in the last book, James really does not like swans. <laughs> and I thought it was really funny. He's not happy about and the joke. They just keep going back and forth. And he's still mad. He's like, stop calling me my lord. And she's like, what else can I call you? He goes, a compromise then. And basically, he's like, outside the stair, but well, we shall play our roles. But in here... And he just like pulls her close and just like holds her for a minute. And he's like, I can't sleep. He was basically saying like, out there, they will be prim and proper. And in there, he can be vulnerable with her. And it was just, I don't know. It was cute. And he called her a waking nightmare. So, you know. <laughs> Way to throw that in the toilet, Crystal. <laughs> I love James. Take a drink. So James and Burke head off to the Gentleman's Club for the evening to go check out people on their list of suitors for Olivia. And Rosalie and Renly decide to go out for a ride while they're gone. But they get caught in the rain. Again. Okay. Apparently they have a thing with rain. I mean. So there's apparently there's a small Grecian temple tucked into the trees a simple thing, hardly more than a garden ornament, but large enough to fit them both. So they ran under there for cover. They, you know, are hot and heavy and start kissing again. And then she pauses and it's kind of like, I won't give up Burke. And he's like, I want Burke right where he is. And she's like, what do you mean? And he's like, <laughs> I say I want him where he is. Between us, behind us under us i like to share i like to be shared yeah and she's like <gasps> and he's like i've wanted you from the moment i met you but i've wanted burke since i knew what it meant to want yeah. so cool beans they um start getting hot and heavy against a statue until the statue falls and breaks and then it looks like there's a break in the rain enough for them to head home so they do they make it back to corbin house and they go to get dried off and everything. And Rosalie has a nice bath. Then the boys come back from the club. And Burke is surprised to find her still up. Then Burke and Tom come in. And she's basically like, I want you both. And then she gets them both. And she gets to be made into a sandwich. And my yep. favorite quote out of this whole thing was when Burke says, no one comes until I say. And I was like, okay. Cookie. During the sandwich, Tom and Burke share a kiss. Which is great in the moment until post-moment when Tom freaks out a little bit in his head. Tom kind of like confronts him a little bit and he's like talking to him with all these people and Burke's like, we're not talking about this right now. And Tom's like, but please, because, you know, he's kind of worried because like, cool, yeah, the kiss was good in the moment. But like, what if Burke's not into it because Burke does not kiss men? literally ever and tom's kind of apologizing and burke snaps at him he's like stop saying you're sorry like why are you sorry tom's kind of stumbling over his words trying to like really explain he feels 
not really guilty, but you know what I mean, for kissing him. And he goes, you don't like men. And Burke's like, of course I don't. I like women. I fuck women. There is no other woman for me except for Rosalie. But I don't like men. I don't fuck men. But you are not men. You are Tom, my Tom. You're all fucking mine. So he kind of like puts Tom's mind at a little bit of an ease. I mean, Tom is special to him. And it's so cute. It was a very cute moment. He doesn't fuck men, but we'll see. Well, but Tom's not men. That is true. Tom is Tom. Yeah. So the next morning, which is before this, what you said, but that's Yeah, okay. I know. The next morning, George has arrived. I fucking love this man so for funny. eternity. He's so funny. He was and... so much better in this book than the last book. And he got more. I um... was entertained by him in the last book on a level. Oh, but I was but... way more entertained in this book. Oh, yeah. And he's all like, he goes to find Rosalie. He goes to find his cabbage and chats with her and teases her about her leaving and then trying to cover it up with this party because he's not an idiot. He's really not like he plays an idiot. He's not. And they have quite a conversation and he's all like, oh, by the way, my mother is asking for you. Wait, way to bury the the lead. (laughs) That should have been the first thing you said. Yeah. So uh, whoopsie. Meanwhile, while they're having this conversation, the Dowager finds James. And if you didn't like the Dowager from the last book, guess what? You're about ready to fucking hate her. I have lots to say about the flippy floppy way that she is portrayed in this book. Yeah, it's very different than the last book. Yeah. I don't feel like she stayed on brand. No, but George very much did. And she's basically like, oh, there you are. How good of you to greet me. First of all. George told them all that they weren't arriving until the evening. So they didn't know that any of them were there, which, you know, George. funny. (laughs) It was definitely purposeful. It was not on accident. Oh, yeah. And she's basically like, we have much to discuss. He's like, just say what's on your mind. And she's like, don't get flippant with me. I'm a duchess. James is like done kind of at this point. And he's like, only until George marries. Then it will be the lovely Miss Nash who claims that title. Oh, the Dowager didn't like that. Nope. She's all like, that little tart will never replace me. I will be the Duchess of Norland until I die. And he's like, incorrect. The moment my father died, you became a Dowager. She didn't like that. No. <laughs> and she's basically having a tantrum. She's like, I will not be made irrelevant. She starts sobbing because... She thinks that's going to get what she wants. And she's like, I don't know what I've done to earn your spite. And he just rolls his eyes. He's like, come, mother. We both know you don't have a heart. And then she just starts going on and on, like, talking shit about his father and why she's in this position and all this stuff and She's basically like, you're a spoiled, ungrateful fool. You're selfish. And she just keeps needling and belittling James and like talking about just how weak he is. It almost breaks him because he's heard this all before and it has worked, but he's really trying to hold strong. And he's just basically like, I've been your puppet. You've manipulated me. You threaten me. You belittle me when every day I'm fighting for this family, but you don't see me. And she's like, I do see you. I birthed you. I raised you. Your successes are mine. 
Like, mm, that's not quite how that works. So they're very loud. But of course, George busts through the doors and is like, look who I found. So like, funny. Oh, dear, are we quarreling? Should we come back later? Oh my God. And fucking George is like, yeah, I found her in the library on her knees. And it's just so funny because he doesn't care. And like the mom is a little scandalized. She's like, don't be crass. James tries to dismiss her and saying that it's a family matter. And then his mother's like, I will say when my ward is dismissed. And James kind of defends her and says, I dragged her into this, like I brought her against her will. And George is like, did you kidnap her? Like, and then he's like, your life is the stuff of novels, cabbage. And James is like, don't call her that. And his mother's like, and what do you call her, James? Tell me, do you intend to marry her? You ruin her in the eyes of good society, making her useless to me as a ward. What else is there left that you marry her or cast her out? And he's basically like, anyone who dares to impunge her honor will answer to me. And he's like, I asked her to accompany me. And he spins this tale of the party. And she's like, don't you spit that lie to me. And she turns on Rosalie and is basically like, I want to know what compelled you to agree to my son's ludicrous schemes. Why didn't you come to me? You've been my award for less than a fortnight. And already you have distressed me and embarrassed me. And she's basically like, I am not your ward. And the Duchess is a little taken aback. And she goes, excuse me? <laughs> like, first of all, if you are you or are you not my ward? Because if you're not, I'm not going to waste my time. On an ungrateful girl who does not understand the value of rank and responsibility. And she sticks up for herself. And she goes, you have never offered me respect. You knew what you wanted when you invited me here. Like, you wanted me to be your spy. You manipulated me. You played on my emotions. And the Duchess is like, yeah, I just, I loved your mom. And she goes, I'm not here because of your feelings you had from my mom i'm here because you don't want to lose control and the duchess is not thrilled she goes well what are you after you scheming little rosebud what do you want and she's like i want a choice you can't call me your ward in front of a room full of people without me even basically saying that i'm agreeing to being your stupid ward stupid bitch she didn't say that part i said that and then James steps in because the Duchess is being such a bitch and she's like really trashing on Rosalie and not being very nice. And she's basically like, oh, are you declaring yourself for her kind of thing? And he's like, I'm not going to let her like be abused by you. But then he like throws in or bark either. Like, yeah. So, yeah. So after she's like, I'm going to cut you off. And James is like, do it. It's an empty threat. You need me. And not only that, but I have my own money. Like, what are you going to yeah. do? And the Dowager is clearly grasping for the upper hand and trying to, like, pull shit out of her ass when all of a sudden, enough! Fucking love this man. Because George is like, James, you're not dismissed. I do not give you leave. You're going to stay in this house. You're going to do your job, which is to say you'll do my job. Because we all know James is doing George's job for him. And he goes, threaten to leave me and I will ruin you. So it's just so funny that he's like threatening to keep him there. Like, you may be a Viscount, 
but I'm a duke. duke yeah. Like I can make it very hard for you. Try to escape me, little brother. Oh my god, it's so funny. Then he turns on his mother. It's like if you speak to my brother with that violence again, I will turn you out on the street. And she goes, "You can't do that." And he turns to Rosalie. He goes, "Now, Miss Harrow, do you like living here?" I mean, this disastrous and horribly uncomfortable conversation aside, I'm fucking dying. She's like, I, and she's like, no, look at me when you're thinking about this. Like, do you want to be a ward of the Corbin family? And she goes, well, yeah. He goes, cool. Now you're my ward. And James is just standing there. What? Baffled as to what the fuck is going on. And the mom is like, you can't be fucking serious. He goes, oh, no, I'm serious. Like, she's under my protection now. And she'll serve the family at my pleasure. And she's like, this is ridiculous. He goes, are you and still here? He's, and he's like, guards. <laughs> George, and James is always here like, my guards? Does George think he's at the tower? And George is being so like stern. James. And then after everyone Does George he goes, think he's at the tower? He goes, holy fucking Christ, that was so stressful. I think my ass is sweating. <laughs> it was too much for him. He just like, <laughs> like he had to be a duke for like five minutes. And it was so so much for him that he was just like do you always feel like this i can't do this oh my god it was so fucking funny george said something so funny when he's talking about rosalie being his ward he just goes i've never actually had a ward before like i'm not sure of the protocol what do i do with you dress you do you need a spending allowance feed you of course dancing lessons or you're probably too old for a french tutor do you want to learn german and i'm like sitting here like Okay, like, I don't need anything. I am laughing so hysterically like, at this it's point. Fantastic. You'll be my own little shadow. Oh, Cabbage, there's so much fun we can have together. <laughs> James so is basically funny. like, George, <laughs> you must be serious. Just because she's your ward doesn't entitle you to treat her like a servant. What if you just simply live and let her live? And he's like, quiet, James. This doesn't concern you. <laughs> the mother gets carried out. And with all the commotion, up pops Petey. Uh, who realizes that freaking Rosalie is with the boys and everybody unattended and everything. And she's, you know, nosy and jealous and all this. And she's basically like, oh, I need you for something and pulls Rosalie away. And then so George is basically like, dude, don't fuck this up. I know you don't want my advice, but I'm going to give it to you all the same. Rosalie's knocking at your door. Let her in or let her go. Such a great piece of advice. That evening, they all go all the party because you have to remember that with george and pd and pd's twin sister prudence and dowager duchess came with the whole caravan of people that were staying for the season for the party and everything so everyone is off to a concert for the evening at this concert rosalie sees marianne fuck this bitch marianne is there with a couple of her friends and she has quite the cackly witch scenario here she walks up me all mean girl situation and is basically like oh have you seen the gossip columns and totally tries to put rosalie in her place she's calling her names she is just really talking her trash and rosalie doesn't want to make a scene so she kind of excuses herself into the ladies room and She's all upset. But who does she find in the ladies' room? George. George. She's, what are you doing in here kind of thing? I, he is so great. So she tells George the whole story and he's all like, this is not working for me. Here's the thing. 
if you and I are going to be friends, you can't embarrass me like that. Not in public. We need the lioness to sharpen her claws. And she kind of, are, are we friends? And he's like, like yes, yeah, I've decided that's one of your duties as my ward. She's like, that's not how friendship works. <laughs> and he's like, as a duke, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> no, you can't make me your friend. She kind of explains what friendship is. And he's like, well, then let me help you. I'm going to help you out of this mess. So he takes her out the window. I Oh, my God. It's just a, like, to the, leave this. I love it because he just, he is really looking out for her. He's like, you defend everybody else, but you don't ever stick up for yourself. He's like, you said that as my friend, I must help and offer advice. So here it is. You learn to fight for yourself and not just others. This is the first and last time the likes of Marianne Young gets to let you cry. So this battle is lost, but the next time it's yours kind of thing. Oh my God. And honestly so, <laughs> so yeah they take off out the window, out the window. <laughs> oh my god what this man is on the and he gets a footman and he goes i have urgent business to attend to and must depart in 10 minutes time i want to alert my brother <laughs> and tell him i have taken my ward with me not a minute sooner <laughs> oh my god this man is so funny. Like, this is crazy. We can go to window. You're mad. And he's like, but you already knew that. Yep. It didn't stop you from agreeing to be my ward. My madness is yours now, Cabbage. He still calls her Cabbage. I love it. Oh, I love him. He's great. So when they finally get home, because they didn't just go straight home, he took her out for an evening on the town. So when they finally get home, she has... The men waiting for her. And they hash it out. And they're not pleased. No. And they, I am. I'm pleased. They were kind of worried because they thought like she was all of a sudden adding George to her like to the mix of people. <laughs> yeah, it was uh it was kind of funny. But George is like, Will you be safe with them? He this really is, is taking this they were very so, seriously. They were so offended. And George is like, Well, as her friend. I am ashamed of all of you. You were I mean, there to help her when she the, needed help. And that's the thing. And they're like, what was going on? So she had to explain the whole story of what happened. Yeah. And then they turn on Tom, Tom because he because was supposed like, to be there with to, her. You, got, you were supposed to run interference. Like, what the fuck? And he goes, I got distracted by this one guy. And then the next thing I know, she disappeared. So like, and they're all like, oh, we can't use Tom. He's too popular in town. Oh, man. Lesson learned. It's funny. It's yeah. funny. Anywho, so the next time she sees the Dowager after the whole debacle, it's a calmer conversation. And the Dowager wants to make sure that the Dowager's secret that she has, Rosalie is going to keep. And because she's just out for herself, realistically. Yes. But Rosalie assures her that she plans to. So they part amicably. Well, they all go out on a ladies promenade and well it started as a regular walk between the two of them and then it just turned into one yeah and she tries to pull olivia aside so that she can kind of feel her out on the whole situation of trying to find more suitors for her and yada yada because burke still hasn't talked to her because he he's can't a man find the balls to talk to the gorgon which is what they call her by the way Still. 
it's windy and Olivia's parasol gets swept up in the wind and they run after it. And uh, hello, sailor. We have a new man arrive on the scene. Yeah, we do. And seems that he knows Miss Olivia. Oh, yes. <laughs> Olivia's not really thrilled to see him, though. No. <laughs> but all the ladies come to make sure that she's okay with the wind and everything. And then they invite this handsome new stranger to tea. Olivia's not happy about it. No. So then finally, Burke has the conversation with Olivia and he's basically lays it out on the table of what their plan is. And Olivia is not happy that they've been kind of scheming behind her back. And she thinks she has the higher ground and kind of threatens to put feelers out in the gossip world about the Rosalie situation with the James coming and how close she seems to Burke and everybody else. She's basically threatening to like out them without out right them. and yeah. burke is like i'm trying to help you right but threaten this hair on my presence again and i will rip off your fucking head do you want my help or not she quickly learns that's not the way to fix this situation but she's also not agreeing to their plan right away either yeah and it's not very nice to the men that they invited to dinner specifically for her meanwhile while olivia and burke are having this conversation Olivia and Tom explain to Captain Hardington, which is the sailor, what the situation is because he walked in and the ladies were all trilling about Olivia being engaged. And he was like, record scratch, excuse me. So like, oh, well, um, Burke does not want to be engaged to her. (laughs) Right. So they explain it to him and he's like, okay, now. And in the course of this conversation, he hints that... Rosalie might be a little friendly towards Tom as well. And Rosalie quickly, nope, Tom is my friend. Tom doesn't like that. So later that night, he tells her, I'm going to fuck the word friend from this perfect mouth. Yep. And Mm, they all just get it on together, just making sure that friend is not on the table. James has a lot on his plate. The Duke's wedding is only two weeks away. The engagement party is less than a week away. He is running himself ragged and he's not doing hot. And Rosalie kind of trick forces him into taking a nap. And it's really sweet and really cute. It was so adorable. Poor little sleepy man. Burke makes sure that we know it's not jealousy. Make sure to mark his territory for Captain harrington for tom because it seems that captain harrington and tom have a little bit of a past together yeah they do so he kisses tom in front of him which, in the public hello this doesn't seem quite Burke's right going a little wild here okay he lost but, the plot and we learn through this whole situation that captain harrington before he went off to the seas proposed to Olivia when they were young and Olivia shot him down because Captain Harrington is also a bastard like Burke but the his father the duke person publicly acknowledges him so he has more standing yeah and he's made it very clear that he will not ask Olivia again if Olivia wants to be with him she needs to let him know so James is woken up from his nap Eight hours later, 
by George, <laughs> which is not a nap. He's like, just in case like, anyone were wants you to know. sleeping? You never sleep. What's wrong? And Rosalie is not there anymore because she had to go to a fitting because it took eight hours. <laughs> and <laughs> the man um, clearly needed sleep. Yes. So George wakes him up with a stack of letters in his hands, and it is the uh, all the invoices and whatnot of the debts that Rosalie had that the dowager had given her in the previous book. And James is like, what are you going through her stuff kind of thing? And George is like, she's my ward. I have that right. And James is like, no, you don't. And he's like, don't you want to know? Don't you want to know? Mother paid all her debts. Don't you think that's a little sus? And then he finds bit. out the number, and it's quite a big number. It's a giant number. And it's then, of the course, like, they're concerned of like them to run their estate where for the an money entire came year. From too. Yeah. And George is like, there must be a reason. And Cabbage knows what it is. And he's like, you think that she was a secret love child? What do you think? You think she's our sister? Because she's just trying to fucking piss James off. Dude, he's so funny. <laughs> And so James is on a mission. He needs to because now Rosalie. he's spiraling. And yeah, he's like, fuck. he needs to find Rosalie to find out what the fuck. And he confronts her, and Rosalie's like, "You're not entitled to the secrets of another. Like that's not how this works. You can have any of my secrets, but you can't have someone else's secrets." She's like, "Ask me anything that is mine to share, and I will tell you." And he's like, "Fine. How many men have there been?" really buddy really i mean and she goes by choice and he goes fucking feral first of all i mean there so she tells him and then he's like what's the other number and she explains that in the last couple years of her father's attempts to fix his situation he got desperate to pay off some of his debts he sold his daughter's virtue a couple times well i guess you can only do it once but the times were you know extra he just sold her for to help pay his debts yeah james is mad and she's basically like i never looked at those i couldn't read the bills i was afraid i might find one from then i didn't want to find any proof that i was the canceled debt so james burns them so that nobody ever sees it then he's all like i need to touch you which it was kind of odd, but whatever. Like, that shouldn't be your first instinct after hearing those things, but, you know. And then they start getting hot and heavy for a minute, and then again he stops, and he's like, I need to stop. If we do this, I want more than you can give me. So then she's left sad and wanting again. Because she does not want to be married, and he makes it very clear that he he wants marriage. So it's time for the engagement party. And it's funny because... She helped plan this thing because, I, you know, that's what she came to do. And she felt a momentary twinge of guilt thinking of James rubbing shoulders with a magician. But the guilt was quickly erased as she pictured him having a coin pulled from his ear. And I was like, yeah. So Marianne is there because Marianne just shows up to shit. And Marianne's trying to start shit with her again. And she remembers what George said last time about retreating. And she locks eyes with George across the room. And George just like. And he just, yeah, nods at her. (laughs) It's so good. She basically hits Marianne right where it hurts. 
Marianne's all like, Tom is mine. Do you understand Mm me? And she goes, you know, just the other night, I asked Tom whether he still held any affection for you. Do you want to know what he said? And she whispers right in her ear. She's like, he said nothing. You see, he couldn't speak with his tongue in my cunt. And Marianne went fucking feral. She starts trying to scratch her and grab her and like screaming at her. It's like, I'll tear out your tongue, whore. George is running right up there and let everyone bear witness that Mrs. Young attacked my ward. (laughs) You will be gone from this place and never darken my door again. Any friend of mine will no longer be a friend of hers. (sighs) It was just. It was too funny. She's like, you wretched whore, this isn't over. But the trash is taken out. So uh, cool beans, cool beans. But it's funny because George tells a footman because he brings Rosalie into another room to kind of help her because she's shaken up and she's been just attacked. And he tells a footman to call for Tom and not to let James or Burke know or come in. You just like stirring the little pot. He really loves stirring the pot. <laughs> I love it. Tie them down if you must. And she's kind of like, oh, like, I'm sorry if I embarrassed you again. And he's like, you think I was embarrassed, Tavage? That was amazing. You are better than the fire reader. I'll be talking <laughs> about this for weeks. This is so funny. And then Tom comes in and he's like, ruin this chance. And I will personally see to it that the grandest ship you ever captain is a dinghy. So Tom learns of the whole situation and he's basically like, she's dead to me. I love you. And Rosalie's like, give me what she's never had. Give me the sailor. She wants him to fuck her like a sailor. And so he just goes, hit me. (sighs) Yeah. So they go at it and he spanks her and fucks her and all this jazz. But then he says, we need James like we need all of us we need you to try you're going to be the one to get him and she's like I'll try so after this whole debacle and after the taste that James got with his nap 3 a.m she gets a knock on her door it's James he can't sleep so he climbs into bed with her and Burke and just cuddles and sleeps and it's cute and she's all like any man who sleeps in my bed has to give me a kiss goodnight. And it's just, it's cute. So he gets some sleep. It's cute. And it was cute too, because he lays down and he's like, this pillow smells this pillow like, like Tom. Tom. And Burke's just like, yeah, that's Tom's side. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> he was somewhere else for the night or whatever. So they have a charity boxing match that they are doing. And Tom is paired up with Captain Harrington to box. And at first, Burke is like, I need to see Harrington's body on the floor. You need to wipe the floor with him. I need this. But then they see Olivia watching in the audience and they realize that they really need Olivia gone. And that's more of a priority. So Tom lets Harrington win so that Olivia can see him win. And they're all turned on by each other and then they end up making it so that Burke finally gets to take Tom 
and has one of my favorite little train moments so that Tom can now call Burke Horatio because that was their deal. Yes. Rosalie has said it to Burke in the presence of Tom and then Tom got a little jelly, but not, but like he, cause he loves him and he just really wants to be able to call him Horatio. And so they made that deal. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. cute. It was cute. Yeah. So the next day it's time for PD to pick a tiara, one that she will wear for her wedding as the Duchess. And Rosalie has been helping the housekeeper, like put them all out and box them all up. And so the housekeeper got called away to do something. So she's boxing them all up and the dowager's there and she's all like, which one would you choose? And she kind of looks at them and then she picks the one she likes. It's a really beautiful one too. It's kind of simplistic. But so it's like... really, you're right. It's really simplistic. And she's like, I was never worthy of that tiara, even though it was the smallest kind of of the group because of the history of that one. It was given to someone for how caring and nurturing they were. It was from the third Duke's first wife and they like loved each other like immensely. So it was given to her and then she had like four or five of his children and the last child that they had together she died so it just it kind of represents like this beautiful love and we all know how the dowager got her husband yeah so the duchess kind of smiles and before she goes to walk away she kind of turns and says your mother would have made the perfect duchess She's patient, demure, lovely as a painting. She would have been worthy enough to wear that tiara. And as she's leaving, she says, if it is ever her daughter's wish to become a Viscountess, I will not stand in her way. And first of all, you've spent a whole book basically don't come near my sons. You're not worthy. You're nothing. And has been this character the whole time and now with one line you're going to pretend she's a different character i just felt like the character that was portrayed to us would not have had this flip switch i agree and i disagree all at the same time the reason being i can understand it because she has been portrayed this way for the whole time if it was a public thing and she was trying to save face maybe but But also her son, the one who never does anything and just sits and does what he's told, literally confronted her basically and how much of a cunt she's being. And maybe in her brain, she had a like thought of, well, maybe I should step aside and just not be such a bitch. That's all I can think of is like maybe like she had a random... You don't be that much of a bitch for that much of your life and then just go, epiphany. I don't know. I don't buy it. She doesn't want to get cut off. So maybe she thinks that if she plays nice, she won't get cut off. Maybe if she is that mean to Rosalie, she'll think that Rosalie will go back to George and let her know exactly what his mother just did. And then he will go scorched earth on that bitch. I don't know. This conversation has Rosalie spiraling. I mean, wouldn't you spiral too? Yeah. And she has the pressure from Tom and Burke that it's up to her to bridge the gap to James. She knows James will not compromise himself, that he wants to be married. 
And now she just got the mother's blessing to be married to James. She still doesn't want to be married. So now she's just torn. She could have everything she wants by doing that one thing and just compromising that one piece. And she's just spiraling. So she goes to her friend for help. She goes to find George. It's so weird that we've gotten to this point. George is her friend to go get advice from. And she finds George painting, by the way, because apparently all the weird paintings around the different Which I don't think we mentioned. We did not. But Um, there's this one scene earlier where Petey was like, I don't want this fucking painting hanging on the wall. It's so creepy. And it creeped her out. And he's like fighting for it. He goes, no, it's a great painting. So there's just all these paintings going on. He's like, avert your eyes. While I walk down the stairs, I will carry you. And like, and but there's other ones at Alcott that they've mentioned randomly too. And apparently they're all George's. He's even made fake invoices for them so that nobody knows. He really likes to do it, but he's not. But Rosalie is so nice about it too. Yeah. She's like, I, I wanted to ask you something, you know, like as my friend, I wanted your advice. And he's just like, drops everything like i'm here for it what's kind up of bitch? Thing. yeah <laughs> and she's like i wanted to ask you about marriage what are your thoughts and he's like oh, see it's alive is this a proposal i'll need to fetch my smelling salts so and a dramatic. pistol for james is sure to hunt me until i'm dead he's so dramatic in the best way <laughs> she's like i just i needed advice from a friend and we're friends right and he goes yes cabbage i think you're my only friend and i was like oh so she kind of wants to get his opinion on just marriage in general because she's like you're getting married in two days like you must believe in marriage in general and he's like it's a goddamn nightmare can you imagine me married you know how many people i've slept with just since i got engaged and she's like what the fuck she's like it's just a performance to you just like for society kind of thing and like a power exchange you're a duke like you can do anything you want and be anything you want you're still gonna live this way and he's like what do you mean and she's like you're a man you are a duke like you've already said you're practically royalty there's no power you can't wield nothing you can't have and you're still making the choice to live a life you don't want if you can't be brave when you have everything how can i hope to be brave in my situation and I mean, she's got a point. Not wrong. Probably also not the best thing to say right before he's to supposed to George. get married. And to George. <laughs> yeah, to George. So they go to the opera, all of them. And somehow the boys arranged to have the overflow box be the Duke's box. And the only people needed in the overflow box are... Rosalie, Tom, and Burke. And Burke's all like, you still have a punishment to serve if you forget from when you came to Corbin House. Don't you remember when you said, take it out on me? And I said, deal. It's time. It is time. I was literally just about to say that. I'm so (laughs) glad you said it. So in the box by themselves, they strip her down and tie her up and blindfold her. And get her all ready. And they're like, nope, we're going to tease you. This is not about you. This is punishment. And they tease her. And while Tom is teasing her, Burke goes and gets James. Because 
it's time Burke to push this motherfucker decided yes burke has decided that it's he's, his turn to push james a little bit to and he's done waiting put him in this situation and yes he goes to, and he tricks james into coming into the box and then james sees rosalie tied up naked and blindfolded and tom gets her all ready and then tom and burke bounce and leave james alone with this needy naked woman so then james can't help himself he gives in he starts actually fucking her and she tells him that she loves him and tells him i will give you anything you can have anything i give in you can have it all whatever you and want it's yours like a giant fucking bucket of water for this motherfucker and he just pauses and he pulls out and he's like i have to go She's like, what? Like, what? What's going on? Like, what did I do? Kind of thing. Like, and he's like, I will not be the man who breaks you. And he leaves like an asshole. <sighs> but I love James. Not in this moment. Take a drink. But so Tom and Burke find Rosalie left alone. She's crying. bawling her eyes out. Yep. Burke fucking books it in search of James, and he has every intention of like pummeling him. But when he gets there and he sees distraught James. He ends up basically just like declaring himself for him. Like, I love you. I've always loved you. I am in love with you. And he's like, she's trying to meet you halfway. And if you marry her, it means you accept Tom and I too. We're all a package and we are all together. And he kisses him. Yeah, he does. And he's all like, you didn't get a release earlier. Let me help you with that. Take it from me. And he gets on his knees and uh, James gets a taste of what everybody else has been doing, even though he's so confused. He's like, you need to propose. Make her ours. Everyone is trying. You're the center. Be the center. So the boys, James and Burke, go off to find Rosalie and they walk in in the middle of Rosalie and Tom fucking on the bed. And Tom's a little smarmy about it because he's finishing her off when James left her bereft. I mean, uh, realistically, be smarmy about it because he did dumb boy stuff. And Rosalie is really upset because she feels like she's ruined everything between all of them because I got it. I can't have anyone. You know what I mean? If this is um, how it's going to go, like, right. But James is all like, I'm sorry. I want this. I love you all. Only took him forever. Yep. They all love everybody. And they agree that they're not going to make Rosalie marry him until she's ready. They're going to let her take her time. But when she's ready, that that would be the best game plan. But they're not going to push her. But they have a night to themselves and they're all happy with their agreement with one another. Their plan. And then the wedding comes. Time for the wedding of the seventh Duke, George. Oh my God, this wedding. The queen is coming. Yes, the queen is coming. Rosalie's trying so hard to see the queen. She's like peering around the boys. I mean, it's a big a deal. It is a big deal. Well, she's not going to miss the Duke's wedding. And no. um, Petey's walking down the aisle. Everything's going grand until George is all, I object. I just started. <laughs> just 
Like it's not even the time to object yet. And everyone's shocked. Yeah. Yeah. And so then George and James sidebar out in the hall. And George is like, we should be changing places kind of thing. He's like, you want me to marry PD? Like, what the fuck? He's like, no. Like, if a king can abdicate, why can't I? He's like, you want to disclaim your title? He's like, see, you even knew the word and I didn't. I mean, he makes a good point, though. He's like, I'm wasted as a duke and everyone knows it. I should have done this years ago. Then there's a knock on the door. And of course, it's the dowager. You let me in this minute. George's like, don't let her in. I'm not ready. (laughs) But then all of a sudden, they come barreling in. And it's the dowager. It's Burke. It's Rosalie. Petey's in the back. And the mother's like, somebody needs to tell me what's going on. The queen is waiting. And George is like, I intend to disclaim my title in favor of James. We're going to switch our roles. He will be the first son and I will be the second. (laughs) Everyone's confused because they're like, what the fuck? He's like, I do not want to marry Petey Nash. Yeah. <laughs> and it Burke's like, I just help us understand. He's like, I've always felt this way. But the mom's like, but something must have changed. What has happened? And points his finger at Rosalie. <laughs> and he's like, the answer is simple. It was all down to her. Petey is like, whoa. And everyone's like, what the fuck? Because he wants to do all this stuff, he does his last, last decree. Things, of- which is so funny. <laughs> he silences his mom. He goes, listen, I entered this world as a disappointment to you, mom. Like, please. Apparently, I'm just born to be your torment. Then he goes, James, I have failed you so many different ways. Then he just turns to Burke. He goes, Burke, like, I didn't even ask you if you wanted to be a Corbin. Do you want to be a Corbin? And Burke's like, like, no. no. He goes, all right, cool. Whatever. Sounds great. You don't have to be one. And then he goes. Do you want to marry Olivia? He was like, do you want to marry Olivia? He goes, I'm already secure. He goes, cool. So you don't have to marry Olivia. He goes, my last act as Duke will be to rescind the offer. I made you at the Michael Miss Ball. You're no longer Horatio Corbin. And unless I'm very much mistaken, you have no interest in being Baron Margate either. Am I correct? He goes, nope. I would rather chew my own arm. <laughs> and he goes, cool. Sounds great. Consider yourself free. <laughs> and Pete is like, you can't do this. And he goes, listen, I would hurt you worst of all. Like, I am not fit to be a husband. Like, you don't want all. to be married to just me. Walk Trust. Out. <laughs> just like, it's so funny. Because he's just like, I'm just going to do all this shit before I'm done. But then the queen's lady in waiting shows up and is like, her majesty wishes to speak to you now so george and james goes to see the queen and the queen is basically like what the fuck is going on and they explain the situation and she's kind of like what the actual fuck she's like so what i'm hearing is one of my dukes is dissatisfied and here comes one of my favorite sections of george she just goes Listen, my dissatisfaction is all to do with my own personal deficiencies. I defy you, your majesty, to find yourself a worse peer than myself. I drink far more than is good for me. I gamble my estate's hard-earned money away. I fornicate with anything that moves. And I don't actually think I'm a Christian. It's not so much that I get a feeling of being underwhelmed with the nature of God. It's more that I simply don't care. And the stories are just boring. And I'm like, fucking 
dying and then james just like elbows him he goes how stop it <laughs> it's so funny because he's just going on and on about all this shit and the queen is all basically like viscount step forward like what guarantee can you give me that one lord will succeed where the other has admittedly failed for i will not be made a fool of a second time and george is kind of like your majesty allow me to tell you a bit about my dear baby brother so everyone is patiently waiting in the church like because nobody wants to leave everyone wants the gossip wants the hot goss wants to know what's up and all of a sudden the queen comes out and is all there will not be a wedding today we will however be celebrating the announcement of the seventh duke of norland the duke his grace james corbin man it really missed the opportunity to say his grace the duke i know but it's the duke his grace yep so yeah they all head back to the house because now there's a new thing to celebrate and not the wedding that they thought but still celebrations you know and olivia's all there drowning in her sorrows like why hasn't he asked me to marry him bitch fucking please well, I mean, realistically, like, I wouldn't say no again. It's usually the men that ask. So I get it. But, you know, Olivia. And so, you know, she talks her off to go, like, maybe tell him how you feel. Maybe that'll help. So Olivia goes off to go do that. And Madeline's there. And Rosalie's all upset because, yes, they had all just came to this agreement. But that was when he was a Viscount. It's a lot different now that he's a Duke. And Madeline kind of knows what's up. So she they're kind of talking it out and she's like he will honor his promises he's a good man but rosalie's all like yeah but should i let him and then the boys arrive finally and rosalie can finally talk to them and find out what's up but before she can get to them marianne arrives now she's like you shouldn't be here like what are you doing and marianne's like if i can't have him no one can and then she whips out a fucking gun this bitch is batshit fucking crazy points it at tom and fucking fires burke who saw her whip out this pistol and aim it was like no fucking way and ran towards tom and shoved him out of the way so burke gets the Burke gets shot. Yep. So everyone's all like, no! And James is all like, Burke! But then he sees Rosalie and Marianne head off. And he's like, Tom, go to Rosalie. We can't lose them both. And didn't know where we were losing one at a time, guys. Right? Well, good thing. Because Tom finds Marianne and Rosalie wrestling on the ground for the gun. The unloaded gun by the way there was only one shot and she took it she would have had to reload again but they're women so apparently i mean she probably just wants to get the gun away from her so she can't reload it and shoot again. right yeah they i was gonna say they probably don't aren't around guns much in this time so anywho tom's arrival is enough of a distraction for them that marianne whips out a knife from her boot and puts it up to rosalie's throat and Tom is scared and worried now. So Tom starts sweet talking her. 
and telling her all the things she wants to hear so that she'll let Rosalie go. And it works. And he pulls her into his arms just in time for Rosalie to take a potted plant and smash it over her head. Down goes Marianne. So then they are all worried and they go check on Burke. The bullet went through his back all the way through to his shoulder. It's a through and through, but it did go through all kinds of nerves. And Burke wakes up three days later. There's some dramatics regarding Olivia's mother, because she finds a note from Olivia that she's run off to marry Captain Hardington, and she's scandalized. So, cool beans, Burke's off the hook. Hallelujah. They give Burke a fortnight at Corbin House to heal before they want to leave London and head back to Alcott Hall. They see George as they're about to leave, and George is kind of excited about his new life of adventure. He's ready to go, but he's so funny. He knows nobody's gotten really a chance to talk about anything since James became the Duke because Burke got shot and all this stuff. So Rosalie still hasn't really even had to have a conversation with James She says to George on the way out the door, she's like, make me a promise. And he's like, I've never been very good at those. She's like, come home occasionally. At least once a year for the Michaelmas ball. It'll be right. Like you're a Corbin. It's to celebrate the Corbin family. You should be there. And he's like, fine. But I want a promise for a promise. Oh, this man. She's like, what could you possibly ask of me? He's like, when I return to Alcott Hall for the next Michaelmas ball, if you are still not married, you have to marry me. And she's like, what? <laughs> you right? That's madness. He's like, nope, I'm firm in this. You need to be married or you're going to marry me. She's like, are you threatening me? Are you th- daring to cage me in? He's like, no, I'm freeing you, cabbage. Get out of your own way and marry my brother already. Or I will return and we shall beat our wings against our matrimonial cage until we are weary and broken things. Now, doesn't a life of bliss with my brother and his lovers sound infinitely more enjoyable than that? The fact that George is so accepting of the situation that they're all in is great. And now he's literally like pushing her like, just fucking do it. Like, But he's on. like, if you expect my silence for all of you being together, you need to name your first child, George. Oh my God. <laughs> so... They journey back to Alcott Hall. They take the long journey back and they finally arrive and James asks for a meeting. He asks them all to meet together in the study. So Rosalie has said that she doesn't really have any family. She mentioned, you know, like her mother's dead, her father's dead. She's living with an aunt and like the only other family she even knew about was some uncle that she had never met. And blah, blah, blah. So apparently James tracked down that uncle and he has since passed. But since he had no children of his own, there was no one to claim his estate. So he took the time and the effort and went through all the channels to prove Rosalie his next of kin to make her the person to receive his estate. He knows independence is important to Rosalie. So he was trying to find a way to make her financially independent without just giving her money because he knew she wouldn't accept it. So he, through many loopholes, found a way 
to make it so that she has money now. So she would be financially independent through marriage to him. So he gives her the gift of financial independence without gifting. He just made it so it could happen. He pulled the strings. and Yes, he pulled the strings. And he's basically like, the only choice now is to marry me. That's the only way that this is all going to work together. Because everyone, the dowager included, purposefully stayed away and did not follow them to Alcott. So she can't stay at Alcott unless she gets married. He's like, that's literally the only choice if you want to stay here. They kind of tricked us, forced us into it kind of thing. He's like, we will walk to the church tomorrow and be married. And Burke and Tom will be our witnesses. And then they all just kind of said that, you know, in their room, in their bed, they're all married to each other, no matter no matter what, what. what the public is. Yes. So then it skips forward two months later, and the Dowager has decided to return to Alcott Hall. But she returns with a giant ass group of people. She still has her seasoned people with her. And she has brought them all there to celebrate the news of the new nuptials. We learn that apparently she got them the special license that allowed them to get married outside of having the queen present and having a big wedding, like basically giving her blessing, which again, it's super frustrating that the dowager just keeps being less easy to hate the more and more the book goes on because her personality is just easing and changing. And I just, I don't know. I don't like it. Honestly, she knows now that with the fact that James is going to be Duke, he could easily ruin her. So then they find out that Tom got a letter with orders to be sent out. He has two weeks before he's sent out and he'll be gone for six months. And James is very upset by this fact. And basically he decides that he needs to fuck Tom for it. But he has not really experimented thus far in that situation. So there you go. There's that last piece of the puzzle. So the dowager is throwing the new duchess and duke a ball for their wedding. And so they are going to that. And they announce that the duchess is with child. And that is the end of the book. We have an epilogue that is five years later. It is the birth of their son, their heir. They have a four-year-old daughter named Georgina, because obviously, George. And they have a three-year-old daughter named Madeline. And uh, I'm not going to go on a whole rant about this because I've gone on a rant so many times during this podcast, but the children were written very poorly here and very weird. And I hate that shit. They were totally written like babies. So the new baby is named Michael James Corbin. And that's how we end our book. So yeah, that was His Grace the Duke. That was the conclusion of our duet. I liked this half. It definitely had a lot of funny moments. I did not like the Dowager written the way that she was written in this half. I did not like a couple little things, but I definitely liked the relationship between Rosalie and George. I liked that aspect to this half. I felt like that really breathed a different life into it. Yeah, absolutely. Who was your favorite character? So I loved James, but I also loved George. I want to say the Corbin men. There you go. George. That's George, George, George of the jungle. That tree. Dude, he was so funny. And like, I 
was liking him in the first George, book too. George of but the I Corbins. think they they gave him more time in this book. Depth. Yeah. In more depth and everything. He was on page a lot more than the first book. And I understand it because the first one was them like starting to form everything and I and it was great. But yeah, this book he just he was great. And he was himself. And I'm I loved still him. a little sad that he didn't end up being the one to pull all the behind the scenes strings. I feel like he like, was you know how like some, George like, here got and to there, pull he... some uh, you know how James got to pull a lot and the Dowager mm-hmm. pulled a lot. But I kind of wish that George was pulling them. That's all. Yeah. I mean, he was still doing his little thing. I just want that for George. Yeah. He was still doing his little thing of like purposely making the other men jealous because he knew what was going on with all of them. So he was kind of pushing them a little bit more. Yeah. Um, oh, yo, he was definitely a pusher. So I still feel like that was it was cool. Um, who was your least favorite? Obviously, Marianne's just psychotic. I truly just still don't like Olivia. Olivia just sucks ass. Who's your least? Marianne and the Dowager. I hate them both. Yeah. So Amazon gives this a 4.4 and Goodreads that gives this a 4.2. What did you rate it? A solid four. Me too. For all I, the things I've said throughout, I think. Yeah, I liked this book a lot. It was very funny. I literally laughed a lot in this book and I like that their relationship was like explored more and especially with everybody together it was really good oh cucumber oh yeah honestly probably like a six or a seven like there was a lot more in this book than there was in the last book that is for damn yeah. sure and you had multiple sandwiches going on in this book yeah. multiples so there, it was really nice I enjoyed it I would probably um, give it a six nice so it's pretty yeah. on same kind of page as you yeah, good. There was a good amount. So I'm happy about that. It's hard sometimes with the third person writing, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we didn't even state that. So both of these books are written in third person. So if that's not your thing, I'm sorry, but that's how it is. <laughs> it's the end now. <laughs> but yeah. Wheel time. We have a new wheel. We have a new wheel. We do. So for fucking February. <laughs> yes, we are wheel of fate where we spin the wheel, figure out what we're doing next. All right. Are you ready? Are you ready to figure out what the fuck we're doing? I'm ready. Are I you am ready. I am very ready. Okay, let's go. Give me a good one. Let's see. The orc lord of praise so for this new year folks Mm. ariel and i had a conversation where if it is a novella or a short novel it is me who will be doing it we've been doing it for specials this is a regular episode though not a special that's true so going forward if you hear my voice it's because it's a novella (laughs) we hear your voice all the time but not for a whole book and with that said, I also picked this book. <laughs> what are we reading, Crystal? Come on. All right. I'll say it again. So this <laughs> week we are doing The Orc Lord of Praise. It is a novella and it is a Monster Sin Club book. There's two of them. They're not related. It's fine. And here's the description. The massive monster satisfies my every forbidden desire, but can I tempt an orc billionaire to bind our hearts? When my human boyfriend dumps me, he has the nerve to call me boring in bed me boring he has no idea what i really want i'm burning to meet a monster and i know just where to do it the monster's sin club is the hottest play club in town 
and exactly the place to find everything I've been missing. But I never expected to catch the eye of its billionaire orc owner. Vorn is seven feet of green muscle and temptation. And when seven the hottest hell orc... Yeah. <laughs> yeah he he's an orc. Of course he's seven feet tall. And when the hottest hell orc growls in my ear that he'll take me in front of everyone, I burn. With one sentence, he cuts straight to my naughtiest fantasy. I love an audience. Then he unlocks a new desire the first time he tells me I'm his good girl, which is why I picked this book. Time after time, he makes my body sing, upping our public shows with toys, findings, and magic spells. And once away from the audience, Vorn gives me heart-melting aftercare. Soon, I want to be something other than his play partner. How do I get my billionaire orc to make me his good girl forever? Join us next week when we read The Orc Lord of Praise. And don't forget to keep reading. And keep it smutty. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. (laughs) 